Layman's is proud to sponsor Self-Sufficient Life. From backyard chicken coops and incubators to nostalgic chicken decor, Layman's can help you enjoy the self-sufficient life. Find Layman's online at lehmans.com. When you think of earning homestead income with chickens, you usually think of selling eggs or meat. But one modern homesteader has turned her passion for backyard chickens into an online income to rival Wall Street. Hey, it's Tim Young of the TheSelfSufficientLife.com, and today I'll share the story of a remarkable woman who wasn't chicken when it came to finding new ways to make money homesteading. Lisa Steele lives in Maine with her husband and 12 chickens, and you know, a dozen ducks, a couple dogs, and a cat. Most of her 125 acres is wooded. There's maybe four or five acres that are cleared. Enough for a big yard, fruit trees, and an overflowing garden. She spends her days tending her backyard flock, gardening, or just walking around in the woods. And like many gardeners and modern homesteaders, Lisa has her favorite tools. And she carries her most valuable tool with her every step she takes. It's her smartphone. Or more accurately, I guess, it's the camera on her smartphone. Because Lisa isn't just tending a garden and a backyard flock. She's running a modern homestead business. And a big one at that. You see, Lisa Steele is the queen of the coop behind the online brand Fresh Eggs Daily. It's a blog and social media platform that has a huge fan engagement. How huge? How about over 700,000 Facebook fans? That huge. And rapidly approaching a million page views on her blog, FreshEggsDaily.com, every month. Most of her fans, uh, three quarters in fact, are women, of all ages though, and they can't get enough of the pictures she posts several times a day of her backyard chickens, her ducks, her garden. She answers questions about chickens, and she inspires people to get their own flock. I guess it sounds like a lot of quaint homestead blogs out there, but it's not. You see, most bloggers don't even earn a penny, or if they do earn something, it's very little. But Lisa... She's earning close to a quarter million dollars a year in her business without selling a single egg, chicken, or vegetable. That's not exactly chicken feed. With her flock of 12 chickens, that's about $20,000 a chicken per year. In a sense, Lisa's been around chickens her whole life. She grew up in farm country in Massachusetts, and although she took a winding path to where she is now, it does seem like she has chickens in her blood. My grandparents actually were chicken farmers. Like, that's what they did to support their family. I grew up on a small farm across the street from them. We had, like, a small flock of chickens um, growing up that, you know, they weren't pets. It was farm country. You know, people just had animals, and I didn't really like them or dislike them or whatever. You know, we just had them. It was kind of a way of life. But it was a way of life that Lisa wanted to get away from. She figured that chickens, that farm life, wasn't the life for her. So she left. She went off to college. She majored in accounting. And then she went to New York. It was the 1980s. Ronald Reagan was president. The Soviet Union was still a thing. Hair bands had replaced classic rock and disco. And Gordon Gecko appeared to tell us that greed was good. In the midst of all that, Lisa found herself as far away from the chicken farm as you can get. She was on Wall Street. And, just like Gordon, for a while she loved it. Oh, well, it was great. I mean, I was just graduated from college. I was dating my high school boyfriend. 
um, living on Long Island, working in Manhattan. Um, it was the 80s. Money was just flowing. You know, um, I went to a lot of benefits and movie premieres, and we had a lot of client dinners. And I mean, it was funny because all of us were kind of like right out of college, didn't have any money. We, I mean, all the money we made went to paying for our um, apartment and our train tickets. So we would go to like happy hours with clients and they always had food there, you know, the little buffet set out. And we would eat there so we wouldn't have to eat dinner later. I mean, you know, anytime the traders were like, hey, we're, you know, ordering lunch and if anyone in, because we knew the company would set the bill. <laughs> like, yeah, because we knew the money for food. So, I mean, it was just a very, very fast pace. It was a fast pace. Remember, this was just a couple of years after Marty McFly flew the DeLorean back to the future, and it was just before Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web. So as a society, we were on the cusp of all that excitement, all that motion, and Lisa was right in the midst of it, living the good life and making Gordon Gecko proud. I drove a BMW convertible. Um, yeah, eating out, thought nothing of dropping two or three hundred dollars, you know, for two out for dinner. Um, it was just a, a sustained lifestyle, and I was I was wearing Ann Taylor like every day to work. Um, you know, mid mid twenties, and at that point, I mean, it was you know in the I don't know mid eighties. I was making like sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, which um, was was insane. Sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year, as a lot of people will tell you, that's good money now. I mean, so it was great money back then. That was 30 years ago. So Lisa was no doubt on a successful trajectory. It's a path that many people have traveled. Growing up in a small town, feeling the urge to go to the city, make some money, bank some coin. I was on that same path at about the same time, though I landed in Boston, not New York. And although their stints on Wall Street were two decades apart, I'm reminded of James and Eileen Ray. You may recall that I shared the inspiring story of how they escaped New York to found Little Seed Farm in episode one of Self-Sufficient Life. So there she was, living life in the fast lane. And like she said, she was loving it for a while. But after a few years, Lisa became disillusioned at the rat race she'd fallen into. The same one I had fallen into. And she started to get the itch to get out. But she was trapped. I mean, she was trapped at least for the moment. I mean, you heard her say why. She was making good money, but she's spending it just as fast. So she couldn't quit her job. But she began to reflect on what she wanted out of life. And she started looking at the people around her. She saw the path that she was on, and it scared her. It was a bunch of young people, and it was wonderful. But after, you know, three or four years of that, and I was in my mid-20s thinking... You know, I'm looking around on the train and there are 60-year-old men and women still commuting an hour each way. You know, and if you miss your train, now you got to wait and now you're home a half hour later. And I thought, that is not where I want to be at 60 years old. So, she began thinking of what else she could do. She wasn't planning on leaving New York, not anytime soon at least. She just wanted out of Wall Street's fast pace. And the idea that appealed to her the most was to open a bookstore. But the accountant in her assured her that was risky. The numbers just didn't seem to work, or at least not on paper. So she kept putting it off for a long time. And then, in 1993, 
terrorist bombed the World Trade Center eight years before they would succeed in crashing both towers to the ground. There was a van that drove into a building downtown somewhere. That happened. And then um, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm done because I really don't want to be blown to bits at work <laughs> in a cubicle on the 37th floor somewhere. You know, that, that just, to me, to spend your whole life, you know, working so hard um, and then to have, you know, a plane crash into your building and kill you. And that was it for Lisa. That was her defining moment. The moment that she knew she wanted to do something different. And before long, she did. I really wanted to open a bookstore. So, you know, being an accountant, I went through all the numbers and I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a huge, huge drop in income. (laughs) But, you know, I got a bonus each year. I got my bonus. I saved that. I got my tax return. I saved that. And I quit. I believe, like in May, like as soon as I got my tax return back or whatever, um, I flat out just walked out of my job. Lisa wasn't the only one who wanted to quit her job. She knew some others who had opened their own businesses, but they had kept their jobs. So they felt they had a safety net if something went wrong. Lisa didn't do that. She just saved her tax returns and bonuses, and then she quit and closed the doors behind her, meaning she'd have to make her bookstore work if she wanted to survive financially. Now, most entrepreneurs have a greater than average tolerance for risk. Everyone knows that. And they're driven by their passion, by their dream. It's that passion that propelled Lisa to open a bookstore in the first place when the accountant inside her was a warning against it. That trait of closing the door or burning the bridges behind you is common to entrepreneurs. It's their way of making sure they succeed simply because they have nothing to fall back on. So Lisa had to find a way to make it work. And in the end, the accountant was wrong. Lisa's bookstore was a big success. But her friends who started their business on the side well, they ended up out of business because it was just, you know, too many hours. It was too hard work. It wasn't guaranteed income. You know, it wasn't a, a weekly paycheck or a monthly paycheck. And they had something to fall back on. I had nothing to fall back on. So it had to work. And seven years later, I ended up selling that bookstore for way more than it cost me to start it. Um, and I loved what I was doing for those seven years. You know, I never regretted it. I never looked back. I never said, wow, I really wish I was making that huge income, which was gone by the time I ended up paying all my expenses anyway. So Lisa sold the bookstore, but she sold it because she got married and her husband was in the Navy. That took her to Florida, which made keeping the bookstore pretty much impossible. So now that she was married to the Navy, so to speak, Lisa realized that she needed to adopt a more flexible, a more mobile lifestyle. They may not stay put in any one place for too long. And sure enough, they soon moved from Florida to Virginia, where they did remain for over a decade. It was a nice six-acre horse farm. And she got a few chickens. It was tranquil. It was peaceful. It was nothing like the rat race on Wall Street. And Lisa became bored. She probably felt what many executives feel when they opt out of a busy corporate lifestyle. They want the freedom and independence of the simple life. 
I mean, entrepreneurs are independent after all. But that pace, that feeling of building something from scratch, of starting a business, it gets in your blood and it follows you to the country. Lisa's husband was a few years away from retirement, but he suggested that they think of moving to Maine when he did retire. So Lisa knew they'd be moving again. And if she acted on her entrepreneurial itch to do something, it would have to be a mobile business, something they could do from anywhere. And that's what led Lisa to blogging. I was kind of, again, adrift, jobless. You know, we were going to be moving around. So, you know, I was bored. My husband said to me his eventual dream was to move to Maine when he retired. He had gone to Maine Maritime. Once he did his 20 years in the Navy, he wanted to retire to Maine. So he said about, I don't know, five or six years ago, he said, you know, we're going to start thinking of some ways to earn money from anywhere, no matter where we want to live in the country, that we can earn money without being tied to a desk or a, because I, I wanted to open another bookstore. That was my original plan. Um, but that made sense that I wanted to do something that we could move and do whatever we wanted to do. And that ended up kind of leading to the blog, the Facebook page, the books, the whole thing. So now I run a business out of our home, but I could be anywhere. Whoa, let's let's slow down for a second. I mean, it's not like the blog and Lisa's books. It's not like all that happened overnight. I mean, or that there was even a grand plan. It started very simply in, I think, February 2011. That's when Lisa created a simple Facebook page that she called Fresh Eggs Daily. And she created an Etsy store around the same time. Etsy is an online marketplace where people go and create stores to sell handmade items or vintage items or crafty items. So Lisa created the store Fresh Eggs Daily on Etsy, and she kept the branding consistent with her new Facebook page. She started selling chicken and farm-related items, many of which were just made from things that she found around the house or that would otherwise be thrown away. Actually, Lisa's business and brand is growing so fast that I'm getting ahead of myself. It's even before Etsy, she started selling stuff on eBay. I started really selling stuff on eBay. I mean, I was home, you know, there were really no job prospects. We had a bunch of garbage in our garage and I started selling it on eBay, making money and just kind of, you know, putting that money aside. And, and that was kind of where I started. I knew it wasn't going to be my career, although plenty of people do make a career of selling on eBay. But, um, you know, you can't just, like you said, make it part-time because it, it always will be a part-time income. And, and successfully blogging or farming is a full-time job. I mean, it's more than a full-time job. We learned from Lisa's experience with a bookstore that she doesn't believe in partially committing herself to something. I mean, even early in my career, a mentor taught me that part-time people get part-time results. And it seems that Lisa believes that as well. So she threw all her energy, all her passion into earning income from chicken-inspired products. Her Etsy store had a few simple things, egg baskets, a calendar of baby chicks, hand-painted chicken signs, aprons, things like that. But Etsy sales were few and far between at first. I mean, no one knew who Lisa was. So Lisa had the time to focus on a new Facebook page, a page that had virtually no fans, no followers. So she put up some posts about what she had for sale in her Etsy store, and she'd offer Facebook fans a special, 10% off if they bought a tote bag or an apron or something like that from her Etsy store. She got a few likes, she got a few comments, but 
Just a few. Because she was selling. Then she started sharing. She started posting pictures of her small backyard flock. She started engaging her meager followers with surveys, with contests. Contests like, hey, guess how many eggs my chickens will lay in a particular week? Then the engagement started to climb. One chicken lover guessed 76 eggs for Lisa's seven hens, a number she arrived at by assuming 5.43 eggs per week for each of Lisa's seven hens. And she was right on the money. So she won a gift from Lisa, something from her Etsy store. So Lisa kept looking for opportunities to engage her fans. She'd set a goal, something like, let's hit 2012 fans on my Facebook page before the year 2012. So followers started sharing her page, encouraging their friends to like her. And when the goal was hit, Lisa would post a celebratory note and then ask for fan number 2012 to email her address so Lisa could mail her an Etsy gift. Then, still in 2011, she started something called Fan Friday, where she'd feature a fan on her page and post pictures of his or her chickens. Mostly her chickens. As I said, Lisa's fans are 75% female. That's just a fact. And followers love Fan Friday because they got to show off pictures of their flock, of their coop. She even started running contests on Facebook that featured prizes donated by other sponsors, like maybe a Predator Light from Night Guard. And all this emphasis on her fans, all the pictures of her life, the contest, began earning Lisa something that marketers can only dream of, fan loyalty. And fans started writing comments like, you're such an inspiration to us all. Lisa knew her tribe. She started knowing who her audience was. People who loved chickens or were inspired to want chickens or to start a flock. So Lisa kept posting pictures and she kept engaging fans. And she kept adding products to her Etsy store. Her Facebook page hit 3,000 fans in January 2012. And that's about the time that she started her blog, about a year after she started the Facebook page. She started FreshEggsDaily.com, mainly just as a way to write posts and answer all the questions that she was getting on her Facebook page. First, when I started my blog, I didn't actually do it with the thought to earn money. It was just a way to kind of archive things on Facebook where I was, you know, getting asked the same questions over and over again. And then I thought, well, if I start a blog, I can just, you know, write some posts about the main questions I get asked and go, here, read this. You know, instead of typing on Facebook. Um, and then someone suggested to me, you know, you can get advertisers on your blog and they'll pay you money. I was like, oh. Okay then. So I reached out to a couple of companies I worked with and, you know, asked for like $10 a month and they were like, oh yeah, sure. Um, so I had a couple, you know, sponsors on my blog and I said, this is really cool. And of course I like brought, I've raised the race and gotten more sponsors. But then I found out about um, like Ad Drive or Blogger or um, the Blogger Network, like the, the ad networks that put an ad up there and it changes and it's customized to your viewer and that, and that's totally passive. I mean, you don't do anything. You don't have to seek out those advertisers. You just put the ad up there. You get paid per click. So it's it's however many people see your page. You know, they, they track that and then they pay you. Advertisers were willing to pay to get in front of Lisa's audience. Not much, but something. And that's when the light bulb went off. Lisa wasn't blogging. 
she was creating an audience. The same thing that a TV or radio show aims to do. And advertisers pay big bucks to get in front of those audiences. So Lisa kept posting on Facebook. She started writing blog posts. Her blog posts were much more instructive, how-to, and detailed than what she was able to put up on Facebook. She'd write articles about how to feed chickens, and, you know, include some recipes for chicken feed, recipes that were guaranteed to produce beautifully colored eggs. She wrote about how to build chicken feeders or things around the farmstead. And the post included product links to advertisers or to a new affiliate store that she had created on Amazon. And she made a few dollars here and there, but really it was just chicken feed. Now, let's jump around a bit because I want you to understand what it takes to create the kind of success that Lisa has created. So let's go ahead and fast forward to today. I already told you that Lisa's business is generating close to a quarter million dollars per year in revenue. A quarter million bucks a year isn't really that much if you're living in Manhattan and working on Wall Street. You're just another working stiff. But if you're living in the country with no need to buy fancy clothes, there's no five-star restaurants or Broadway productions to tempt you, no sky-high rent, and you're working from home with your chickens, it's a lot. And a lot of people see the kind of life that modern homesteaders are living, the kind of life that Lisa has created, and they want that life for themselves. I mean, it looks so simple to them. But they're always looking at the after picture, or at least the present picture. They never go back and look at the before picture, what it took to get to the current state of success. I just saw a really neat graphic, and it was an iceberg, and it said at the top, you know, when you look at a successful blogger and see this, what you're missing is this, and it was the whole bottom of the iceberg, and it was like, you know, rejection, years of work, hundreds of blog posts, you know, thousands of pictures. I mean, it was just, and it was, it was funny because that's true. People, like you said, they look at the finished current day product. The metaphor of an iceberg is a good one. It illustrates the unseen elements of success. All the hours that the gymnast put into lifelong practice before reaching the Olympics. But blogging and successful modern homesteading, it isn't the Olympics. It's something that's within reach of all of us. And I believe that you can achieve what Lisa has achieved, if that's what you want. You just can't get there overnight. Coming up, we're going to dive into everything Lisa has learned about earning money from writing books, working with advertisers, and selling on Etsy. And we're going to talk about her new TV show right after this quick break. Hey, it's Tim Young. When my wife and I moved to the country, Layman's.com was one of our first stops. That's where we found the oil lamps, canning supplies, hand crank grain mills, wood cooking stoves, even the emergency supplies that we depend on. Founded in the 1950s, Layman started as a hardware store serving the Amish in Kidron, Ohio. Today, Layman specializes in practical, non-electric goods that will help you live the simpler life you're craving. So even if you work in the city, you can still be a modern homesteader. And Layman's has the nostalgic and practical home decor and kitchen appliances you're looking for. So whether you're looking for time-tested farm and garden tools or off-grid stove and appliances, Layman's has the high-quality products that every farmer, modern homesteader, and prepared person needs. Layman's, for a simpler life. 
find them at laymans.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S dot com. We're back with the story of Lisa Steele, Queen of the Coop at Fresh Eggs Daily. So if you ask successful bloggers, what's the secret to your success? They're quick to answer that there is no secret. And Lisa's no different. She would say the same thing. But there is a starting point for Lisa and all successful bloggers. And that starting point is being real and being passionate about what you're sharing. There is no secret, but I I think that the... I think the most important thing is just to be genuine and write about something that you are truly passionate about. Because if you write about something just because you think it's the latest thing or you think that it's popular and people are going to want to read it or whatever, it just, it's going to come through and your readers are going to see right through you. And I I don't think they're interested. I mean, I personalize it when I added my about me to my blog and put my, my, you know, headshot and my name my blog page views almost doubled very, very quickly. Um, people really want to connect to the person behind the blog. You know, they want to feel like they know you. And so that's really important. It's, it's, and I know a lot of bloggers say, well, my husband doesn't want me to, you know, use my real name or I want to keep, you know, my kids' privacy, which I get that, you know. Um, but I don't want to put my face on my blog or my name. And I'm thinking, well... <laughs> It's almost like a recipe for disaster because people really just need to connect with you. And it didn't take long for people to connect to Lisa. But it wasn't just fans that connected. The more she wrote about chickens, about hobby farming, about gardening, the more visible she became. Visible in search engine results, visible on Facebook, not just to her fans either, but as a recommended page as Facebook's algorithm evolved. And before long, Industry publications started approaching Lisa and asked her to write for them. I got to the point where the chicken magazines or, you know, Hobby Farms magazines like that, the editors started to notice my blog and, you know, asked me to start writing articles. So Lisa went from being a hobby blogger to a paid writer. She wrote several articles a year for various publications, both print and online. And all the while, she continued writing on her blog intending to her growing flock. Not of chickens but of fans on Facebook, of email subscribers to her blog. And the more she posted, the bigger her following became. That's when Lisa began earning real money. Money from her Etsy store, where she's now had almost 5,000 sales, from writing articles for publications, and from advertisers. And that was the first step for Lisa into the world of generating passive income. On our blog. Right now, I'm with the Blogger Network and Blogger, and I've kind of been running that parallel, seeing if one, you know, is going to be better than the other. I was eventually going to drop one and just go with the other, but I, I do believe in diversifying, and I think at this point, I'm going to leave the two, and I'm making about the same from both, so, um, you know, add them both together, it probably would be what I would be making if I just went with one and had all the ads from one. It is really great passive income that um, can go from you know, a couple of hundred a month to a couple thousand a month if, once you get really huge. Advertising networks such as Blogger, yes, that's Blogher. Remember, Lisa gets 75% of her readers from females. Well, those advertising networks place ads directly on a blogger's site. So the blog owner doesn't have to go out and sell ads directly to businesses. Now, it's possible to earn more money 
by targeting and selling advertisers directly because you cut out the middleman or the middle woman, I guess. The advertising network that places the blogs is the one you cut out. But the trade-off is that you have to make time to sell the advertisers directly and you've got to be good at it. So Lisa's tried it both ways, using ad networks and selling direct to companies. And she's found that they each have their pros and cons. I do like working directly with companies. For one thing, it's really relevant to my fan base because they're chicken accessories. Plus, I get a lot of free stuff. I mean, stuff that I use, I get free feed. I get, you know, all kinds of free stuff from my chicken sponsors. Um, but it is kind of high. There's some of them are high maintenance. You know, they want their ad changed or they want you to promote them on Facebook or they want to know why they're not actually, you know, getting traffic from your site. Or, I mean, it's just, it is more hands-on with them. Um, and depending on how many blog followers you have, you actually can make more money from those ad networks. Yeah, maybe. But you're taking a risk. Because whether you use AdWords or any other advertising network, you run the risk that they'll serve up ads that are, well... Kind of spammy. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to put like six or eight ads on my blog from just random ad networks. Yeah. Spammy's not good. Because ads about, I don't know, how to regrow hair or online dating, they're not relevant to someone interested in chickens. And relevance is critically important. Otherwise, you'll lose your audience. It goes back to something Lisa said earlier about what it takes to successfully build an audience. Being genuine. You have to be genuine because if you're not genuine, your readers are going to pick up on that. You have to have a consistent message. Because if you're all over the place just saying, oh, I like what she does, I'm going to do that, and then I like what he does, I'm going to do that, you're not consistent. Your readers are confused about what it is you're actually doing. You know, um, you have to have a niche that's that's wide enough to have readership, but narrow enough that people will read your blog. Wow, that's a really great point. A niche that's wide enough to attract readership, but narrow enough that people will feel like you're writing for them. Now, at first glance, that seems counterintuitive. I mean, a niche kind of implies something small, an unserved market. But as Lisa has shown, it can still be a big market. You see, Lisa's real niche isn't chickens. It's urban backyard chicken keepers. Folks, primarily women, who see chicken keeping as, I don't know, a sense of security or a way of having some control over their food. After all, chickens are the buy-local mascot. They're the gateway animal to hobby farming or self-reliance. So it's a niche, but it's a big one, and it's growing. So all that explains why readers, well, why they flocked to Fresh Eggs Daily. And as they did, opportunities kept knocking on Lisa's door, and she kept answering the door. She continued writing articles for Hobby Farms, Mother Earth News, Molly Green Magazine, and others, even the Farmer's Almanac. She appeared on a PBS garden show and then on Coop Dreams, a Destination America reality show that was on the Discovery Channel. She was invited to speak at conferences around the country, you know, the ones focused on gardening, organic, and homesteading. And in 2013, she wrote her first book titled, appropriately enough, Fresh Eggs Daily. And her fans loved it, giving it a 4.8 rating with almost 500 reviews on Amazon. Then in 2015, she wrote her second book, Duck Eggs Daily. 
St. Lynn's Press published both of those books. Now, there are a lot of work-from-home authors out there making an excellent living writing books, particularly Kindle books. Almost all of them self-publish their books, something Amazon makes really easy to do. So yeah, publishing a book may be easy, but getting readers, getting buyers, that's another story, as any self-published author will tell you. And even traditional publishers require authors to have their own platform today, some kind of following. But Lisa certainly has that. So if you have a following, a platform, why would an author go the traditional route today instead of self-published, when self-publishing is so much more profitable? I asked Lisa what she thought about that. I do get asked all the time about writing ebooks, and I mean, I could bang out ebooks and sell them and make way more than I do. You know, as an author, you make royalties. Um, if you make a dollar a book, you're lucky. So you're not going to get rich again writing books unless you're, you know, Stephen King. Um, but you know, ebooks, you basically it's all profit. So I could clean up writing ebooks, but I just, it just doesn't appeal to me. I. I I like the idea and I like the fact that a publisher says, yes, we think this is a great idea. We want to invest our resources and our time in your book. Many homesteaders work hard to generate multiple streams of income rather than, sorry for the pun, putting all your eggs in one basket. And Lisa personifies this belief better than most modern homesteaders I've met. I have about 20 different revenue streams. You know, some are very obvious, like my books or, or my blog, and some are, you know, not so obvious. Um, you know, I would say, I guess, like the like the Amazon affiliate um, sales or, you know, things like that. But you have to diversify. I mean, there's, you cannot just count on one revenue stream if you're a blogger because, number one, they dry up or they go away. And number two, you probably can't make enough on just one to pay your bills. Well, that's part of it. But it's not just that you can't make enough on some income streams. It's because the profit margins for some revenue streams are much worse than others. I do sell on Etsy, and I also have another you know, online shop, same product, but a different platform. That is probably my least favorite. Um, it takes the most time because you know, you're packaging, you're shipping, you're handling orders, and I, I have to order inventory and all this other stuff. And it also takes the most um, expense. I mean, a lot of the things I do, like freelance writing for magazines, cost me zero. You know, so um, it, my income, that's no, net and gross. Whereas when you sell online, you sell a product, you've got your labor cost into it, which you can't really, you know, in a lot of times build into the price, but you've also got materials cost and all that. So as far as, um, you know, making net revenue, things that you can do yourself, like writing or speaking, all those kind of things, um, are preferable because you really don't have expenses or if you have expenses, they're reimbursed like my travel and hotel when I speak and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Writing articles may not require outside expenses, but you do have to account for your time. I mean, your time's worth something, right? But still the profit margins are often lower for an online store that sells physical products. And beyond the lower margins, there's the simple fact that physical orders have to be filled. And that makes it difficult to scale the business, if that's the goal. And if you get too many orders, you'll find yourself needing to hire some help. At this point, um, because I'm so busy, you know, when I say I get orders, I'm like, oh, my God. you know, because it, it is very um, labor intensive. 
And it also, I mean, out of my, my um, blog expenses, I don't know, my expenses run maybe $25,000 a year or so, $30,000 a year. The majority of that is the cost of goods of what I sell. You know, my books or the dried herbs and, and that um, packaging materials. I mean, that's really the bulk of my expenses. If I took away that online selling, I would probably have about zero expenses. Lisa's business and following has really grown, but that doesn't mean she isn't facing some daunting challenges. One big challenge she faces is that much of her online business is on rented property. I'm referring to Facebook. I mean, it's great that Lisa has amassed a huge following on Facebook, but that doesn't mean her followers get to see Lisa's post. Facebook has consistently changed its algorithms regarding what is displayed in a member's newsfeed. And in the summer of 2016, they changed it once again to prioritize posts from friends or family rather than from pages. This means people see posts from individuals they know and have accepted a friend request from and not from businesses such as leases. And this is a challenge that all bloggers, all businesses now face on Facebook. Facebook's reason for this change is simple. They want Lisa and other businesses to pay to get in front of their own fans. Otherwise, Lisa's fans won't even see her post. And this makes it difficult to monetize that fan base, particularly when it comes to selling books. I'm not gonna say my Facebook page and fans are not valuable, but monetizing them is near impossible. You know, Facebook fans do not wanna buy anything. They don't even really wanna click on a link to your blog. I mean, even now, blog views, every person who reads my blog, that earns me money. Um, so having a Facebook fan click on my blog post, yes, I've monetized that Facebook fan, but they don't necessarily buy books. I mean, I figured, oh, I have half a million Facebook fans. I'll sell 100,000 books the first day, easy. I mean, they love me, they love what I write, they, they like my chickens, they're gonna wanna read it. Oh no, <laughs> that did not happen. Almost any blogger or any online marketer will tell you that the money is in the list. And what they mean is, their email list. You see, Facebook could change algorithms all at once, but bloggers own their email list. It's considered their most valuable asset. So Facebook fans are, are valuable sponsors like that. They like to see that you have a big Facebook following, but honestly, yeah, the newsletter, um, email subscriber list is valuable. I do have a pretty nice um, email list, which is invaluable because you own that. You control that. You know, I can send out whatever I want, whenever I want. It's not another person's platform. Through weekly newsletters and special updates, Lisa can use her email list to drive traffic back to her blog. Remember, blog views is how Lisa and other bloggers earn passive income. And that's the real value of Lisa's Facebook page as well, to get people to click through to see her blog. When they do, it's counted as more page views. That means she can charge higher ad rates. Remember, Back when she first accepted advertisers on her blog, Lisa was getting 10 bucks a month. Now she charges up to $500 per sidebar ad per month, depending on the size of the ad and the placement. And there's a lot of room for ads on her blogs. That's in addition to the ads delivered by the ad network. So the monetization game for Lisa, for all bloggers, is to drive traffic to digital real estate 
they own their blog. And even though the algorithms change from time to time, Facebook can still help with that. So what's Lisa's life like every day? I mean, I mentioned at the outset that she's never without her favorite tool, her smartphone. And it's an invaluable tool for any modern homesteader. In Lisa's case, it makes it easy to share her life with her fans, which she does all day long. We'll be in the car going somewhere, and I'll be answering email, tweeting, Instagramming. I mean, pretty much from 7 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, I'm doing something that has to do with my blogging. I mean, I love it, and most of it doesn't seem like work, but it's a lot of time commitment. But that's working all day, right? I mean, how is that any different from being back in the rat race? Thank goodness for cell phones. I mean, we'll go out for a walk in the woods and I'll snap a couple pictures and put them on Instagram. So, you know, in a way I'm working, but in a way I'm enjoying a walk in the woods. You know, so it's very easy to kind of multitask and, and you know, I'm out feeding the chickens or filling their water and I'm snapping pictures of them so I can post them on Facebook later. You know, so if you do it like that, then you end up kind of like your whole day is work, but then it's not because I take a ton of breaks and do... You know, I'm out in the flower garden. I produce some flowers for Instagram or or whatever. Yeah. From my experience, that's true. I mean, it's work, but it's not work. There's a lot to do in the life of a modern homesteader, particularly if you're earning an income from home. But the difference is, the big difference from quote-unquote normal work is that you do it on your terms when you want to. You have time for interruptions from your children. And actually, they're not interruptions at all. So, yeah, it's easy to see why a lot of people seem drawn to this lifestyle. And it's something that Lisa hears from readers all the time. So many times on my Facebook page, people will say, you know, you're so lucky. And I, that's the lifestyle I want. And it's not. I'm like, well, why don't you do it then? I didn't do anything that anybody else can't do. But they just sit there in their cubicle, hating their job, hating their life, going, that's the the life I wish I had. Man, I wish that wasn't true. I wish, I wish I thought Lisa was wrong about that. That people didn't feel stuck. That they didn't feel like others were doing something they couldn't do themselves. Lisa said that she didn't do anything that anybody else couldn't do. And in a very real sense, she's right. I mean, she started a Facebook page. She started a blog. Both are essentially free to do. And anyone with internet access can do that. But there's a lot more to her success than that, right? I mean, I know what she means when she says anybody can do it. Then again, pretty much every song by ACDC is three chords and has arguably pretty simple lyrics. But that doesn't mean any band can create those songs the way ACDC can, now does it? But there are a lot of successful bloggers out there, many of whom earn a lot more than Lisa does. Some make millions. So what can we learn from Lisa about how to achieve her level of success? Well, you definitely have to plan because I don't think you can do anything halfway. I know a lot of bloggers who work full time and they're blogging on the side, you know, wanting to turn the blog into a business 
and I can tell you right now, it's never going to happen. You have to commit yourself 100%. Like, or the people who buy a farm but still work full time and they think they're going to farm on the side and eventually turn the farm into a full thing. It's not going to work because you're going to burn yourself out way before you ever are successful. Like, you have to jump in with both feet, commit yourself. Because as long as you have that safety net of the job, I don't think you're ever going to push yourself hard enough or do what it takes to actually break those ties. It's, it's just too much of a security blanket. So there's that advice again. Part-time people get part-time results. Lisa believes in fully committing herself, just as she did to the bookstore when she walked away from her job on Wall Street. She hears today from a lot of bloggers who ask her for advice. Hey, what can I do to gain traction the way you have? But they're only partly committed to their blogging business. They have a safety net. I mean, I get it. I mean, no one wants to feel vulnerable. But here's the thing. Lisa's not a hobby blogger. She's running a blogging business. And that makes her an entrepreneur. Very few successful entrepreneurs keep their feet back in the safe zone. Instead, they commit. They burn bridges behind them. And then they make it work because they have no choice. People say, well, I can't afford to quit my job, you know, because I'm not making any money on my blog. And I'm thinking, if you quit your job, you would be amazed how fast you would find ways to make money. <laughs> I mean, because you have to. At that point, you don't have the salary to fall back on. But, you know, there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of saving your money. Save your salary. Put something aside. Instead of putting it aside for vacation, put it aside for when you eventually quit. There's no doubt that Lisa's fans love her. Just look at the comments on her Facebook page. They love her lifestyle, and many want the same thing. And they often say so on our Facebook page. The question many people face is how to get started, how to afford to take the leap from their life to one of modern homesteading. I get that question often, which is why I created the Self-Sufficient Roadmap. It's a free ebook that helps people figure that out at theselfsufficientlife.com. Lisa gets that question a lot too. And in this day and age of crowdfunding, Lisa gets lots of emails asking for help. I get so many emails from people saying, you know, I follow your page. We want to farm. We can't afford it. So would you share my Kickstarter? In some ways, we're morphing into the crowdfunding generation. And crowdfunding has its place. I mean, for helping small businesses to expand or launching new products that otherwise may never see the light of day. But for starting a homestead? Lisa doesn't think so, and neither do most of her fans. I had some other um, homesteader comment about that, saying, if you're the kind of person that doesn't have the gumption to, to raise and save your own money to start your homestead, you don't have the gumption to actually run a homestead. Like, that's not the mentality of someone who really wants to be self-sufficient and really wants to make their own way in life. Ask other people to fund it? <laughs> I mean, no, it just doesn't. So she said that's the first red flag. If that's your first thought about how you're going to fund your new life, that probably is not the life for you. I asked Lisa what her advice would be to anyone wanting to replicate her success with self-sufficient income. She said you can't do exactly what I did because things have changed. It's almost impossible to build a Facebook page now. When I first was on Facebook, building a page was, not that it was easy, but it was easier. Now Facebook has restricted it. They, you know, they've just changed their, their analytics. Unless you're going to pay them, you're really not going to build a page very large. And you better have a very unique message too, because homesteading pages are a dime a dozen. Um, 
you know, so you have to find maybe it's Instagram, you know, maybe it's um, YouTube videos, maybe it's, you know, it's like it's got to be something different. You slowly have to build an audience and find your voice and build content and get people to follow you and like what you're saying. And, you know, your first thought can't be, I want to make money doing this. That's like your long term goal, but you you have to you have to build it like any business. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that. In other words, it takes time as it does with any business, with anything worthwhile. But the key takeaway from Lisa, from the other lives I share on Self-Sufficient Life, is this. You can do it. It can be done. I mean, a few years ago, Lisa was just bored. But she took a step. And that's the key. She put herself in motion. All she did to start was sell something on eBay. Then she shared her passion for chickens on Facebook. She opened an Etsy shop and she started a blog. And she worked at her business every single day. And now here she is, the after picture, doing what she loves. You know, I'm doing something that I love and I've, I've turned it into, you know, something that pays our bills. I mean, that's what we're living on now. But it certainly wasn't overnight. It's never overnight. And change is hard. It's always hard. It's scary to think of leaving the security of life that you have now when you're stuck in the rat race. And even Lisa knows that. It is scary, though, to cut those ties and, you know, walk away from a guaranteed paycheck. As long as you have to, you know, you basically just have to show up for work and you're going to get paid. Once you do what we're doing, you actually have to work or you don't get paid. That's the scary part for anyone. And that's why it's best to plan your escape, to save what you can. Even plan your homestead business while you still got your day job. But don't expect much in the way of results by doing that. Remember Lisa's philosophy on partially committing yourself. Part-time people get part-time results. Still, there's some really good news if you want to earn self-sufficient income today. Now more than ever, there are so many more ways to make money. I mean, there's just the online avenues of, you know, before it used to be you could stuff envelopes, you know, those ads that used to be in the magazines and you could like stuff. That was like the only way to work from home and make any money or have like a daycare or something. But now there's, I mean, you can board horses. If you've got, you know, go buy a farm with some extra land, board a couple horses, You've got a couple hundred dollars from each horse coming in each month. You know, so there's there's so many ways that once you have your homestead. Yeah, so a minute ago I said it's best to plan your escape. But even though I said that, remember this. Lisa built her business not because she planned it. She built it because she started. I didn't plan this. I mean, I didn't, you know, five or six years ago when I said, oh, I, you know, I think I'll start a blog. I never in a million years could have imagined that A, I would be making a living doing it, B, that I would be like on P. Allen Smith's television show or, you know, I mean, the, 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 the heights that I've taken this, I never could have, could have ever imagined. Um, so I think each step was really important in the whole process, like you can't just jump and skip a step because everything just kind of gets you where, you know, you're, you're, you're laying the foundation for things even if you don't realize it. You're laying the foundation, all right, but not just for a business. You're laying the foundation for a better life, a much better life. That's something I learned many years ago when I opted out, and Lisa's learned it too. Happiness is not measured 
by how much you spend or how much you make and you get just as much satisfaction, you know, going out to your garden and, you know, you had your first tomato, right? And really the things that you thought mattered, um, I mean, I wear like the same clothes every day. Like, I just wear my favorite blue shirt and my jeans like every day and I'm perfectly happy. Like, I don't need a $400 suit, you know. Um, and when I splurge, it tends to be on something like, you know, like a, a, a new eggplant plant or, um, you know, just something random and bizarre that's like, you know, $40 or $40 would be splurging for me, you know, now. And um, you just do it so much satisfaction out of, you know, we went kayaking on the lake on Saturday, you know, and that costs like nothing once you have the kayaks. It, it's just, you have so much time to actually do things that you enjoy. You know, I feel bad for the people who work 52 weeks of the year or 50. They take their two-week vacation and they look forward to it all year long. And I'm sure they had a great time, but they spend a fortune. I would rather love where I live. She does love where she lives. And it shows. For five years now, Lisa has been inspiring people to take their own first steps into the world of raising a backyard flock of chickens. She's done that through her Facebook page and blog. She's done that in her books, articles, and when speaking at conferences. And now... She's taking her inspirational message to television. I'm actually shooting a pilot for a TV show next month. It's going to be called Fresh Daily with Lisa Steele. And it's going to be just kind of a lifestyle, a chicken segment, a gardening segment, and then some kind of egg segment. It's going to be like a chicken-centric lifestyle half-hour show. It's going to be on the CW here in Maine. It's going to be air in Maine and New Hampshire. And it's going to also be available online from their website. So it will have national... Um, viewers, which is awesome, but but for now it's really just going to air in Maine and New Hampshire. My whole thing this whole time has been to inspire people, you know, just show them how easy and fun it is to raise chickens and how great it is to live in the country. Before we wrap up and I give you my three key takeaways from this segment, let me remind you that the show notes from this episode are available on my website, theselfsufficientlife.com. There's also a complete transcript of this episode if you'd like to read it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And please, please take just a second to leave a review. It helps with the rankings and allows others to learn about a self-sufficient life. So, wow, what a case study. Her self-sufficient income. Fueled by her passion for chickens and simple living, Lisa Steele has created an amazing brand and business. Check out what she's doing at FreshEggsDaily.com, where you can find her Facebook page and learn about her books, including her new book coming out this winter, Gardening with Chickens. So, to wrap up, what can we learn from Lisa Steele's success? Well, a lot, of course, but if your aim is to build a nice passive income stream like Lisa has, Let me give you my three key takeaways. Perhaps these will help you if you're stuck in the rat race, dreaming of a better life. The first takeaway is you're not blogging. You're running a blogging business. And Lisa did what successful entrepreneurs do. She took a step to start her business. Then she took another. And since it was a business, her business, she didn't focus on anything else. She didn't keep one foot in the rat race. She didn't have another source of income. If she wanted to get paid, she had to earn it on her own. That meant she had to recognize the opportunities that came her way and find a way to monetize them. Yeah, at first it wasn't much. Crafts on Etsy, a few Amazon affiliate links. But then 
people came knocking. When they asked her to write an article, she did and got paid. When a publisher asked her to write a book, she did and got paid. When a company wanted to advertise on her blog, she rented them space and got paid. She capitalized on all those opportunities because she viewed what she was doing as a business, not a hobby. But why did the opportunities happen in the first place? That leads me to the second takeaway. Lisa focused squarely on her audience. Or as online marketers are fond of saying today, she defined her avatar. Women, mainly between 25 and 55, who wanted to have a backyard flock of chickens. They wanted knowledge. They wanted inspiration. They wanted to believe that they too could do it. And Lisa gave them all those things. She never tried to expand and convince her audience that, hey, you can raise pigs or anything else. She has stayed on message from the beginning, never losing sight of who her avatar was and what she needed from Lisa. And Lisa has been rewarded for giving her audience what they wanted. But what was the key to doing that? It's my final takeaway, and it's one word. Consistency. Far too many bloggers start furiously, driven by passion. They post daily at first, then weekly, then sporadically, monthly at best. They don't view what they're doing as a business. So, it never becomes a business. Lisa carries her tool with her everywhere, her smartphone. She snaps inspiring pictures, uploads them, and responds to questions all the time. And she's done it since day one. So if you're looking for a simple three-ingredient recipe for Lisa's success, that's it. She's been consistent. She's focused on building an audience. And she's treated her blogging business like, well, a business. It's not rocket science, as they say. But it's impressive. And it's something that you, too, can do. Yeah, maybe not just like Lisa did, but you can carve your own path to self-sufficient income. Just remember that if you need help charting your course, I've created a free ebook to help you chart your path to self-sufficient income, and you can find it online at theselfsufficientlife.com slash roadmap. It may help you to live your dream by doing what Lisa did. Just do it and opt out today. Alarm wakes me up and I'm right out the door. Fighting traffic in a car that I'm still paying for A cup of coffee, four dollars gone They stick me in a cubicle And now I'm somebody's pawn The concrete jungles all around me There's gotta be a better way I'm sick and tired of staring at a screen all day While strangers teach and watch my children play I'm sick and tired of stressing over which bills to pay Not gonna live my life that way I'm opting out today Oh, I'm opting out today They hand me a paycheck so I can 
Play all I owe. Kids wanna play, but I.